The sacred text reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians. I'm going to be reading chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. <coughs> All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody get up on time, apparently. My cat, Missy, has been helping me practice all week long. She's been waking me up at 5.30. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Jim has uh, asked Mari and I to facilitate some discussion this morning. And it's uh, based on the reading that Lisa just provided us. We have handouts that we'll be giving, and how this is going to work is, um, is we'll be breaking up into two groups, and Maury will be leading a discussion with one group, and I'll be leading a discussion with the other. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to kind of read what the goals are here, and um, I'm not going to read all the questions, but I'm going to ask you to separate into two groups. One will be up here, and the other will be in the back. I, I think we were expecting about 12 people here today, so we've busted out of our expectation already. Um, so um, the sacred text today was Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the highlighted verse that, that Jim wants us to concentrate on is verse number 10. For what we, I'm sorry, for we are what God has made us, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is a fascinating verse. Let's take it in parts. First part is we are what God has made us. So much left is to interpretation. It raises questions about the nature of God and the nature of humanity. I choose to interpret this phrase, phrase as speaking about our core identity, the most authentic self. 
looking at the complete passage, we might understand sin as a state we can get into when we do not know or own our core identity, our, our authentic self, resulting in actions that are contrary to how God made us. So we have some discussion there. So with that in mind, what we intend is um, to break into our groups. Um, we'll all have an opportunity to read the discussion questions. And then we can, as a group, decide which questions to talk about. Because we're going to take about 20 minutes from start to finish. And uh, we'll be discussing for about 10 to 15 minutes. And then we can come back together and talk about some key, key points that we, that we raised during our, our group discussions. So with that, if you'd like to self-separate into the two groups. Uh, before this, Maureen and I decided that uh, I would take, uh, I would lead the group that, the first group, uh, which is we are what God has made us, which is on the first page. So the discussion questions related to this phrase, if you would please read those yourselves. Okay, so let's uh, take the first question. In trying to understand how God made you, what can you do to figure that out? How would you research this? If someone else wanted to figure out how God made you, how could you help them? It's hard not to dispute. Go through the British Museum and some of the other museums where you have bones and things from Homo sapiens, and I have always believed that science and faith go together. In the sense that I, mean, I don't think that God just went through and was added. I think that He tried different. I mean, He tried different ways to build man. So that's, and I think you can find that a lot, a lot from research. And because it's hard to dispute science and fossils. Yes. I think that's true. They do go together very closely. It's a problem that people had perceivingly supposed tension between religion and science. We've come a long way since we were burning scientists at the stake. Thank God. But we still do, in many, many cases, in discourse of public opinion about, about in many different scientific areas. And the revolution of genetics is one that really has been illuminating. So how do, you, how do you dispute their thoughts, though? How do I dispute whose thoughts? The thoughts that are anti-science, well, as far as t having them know how God made you. Well, I don't. They just take, uh, many of them just take, they are literalists when it comes to these phrases in, in the Old Testament. And that's just the way it is to them. They, they uh, don't see what Becky's view is on it as being valid. So when does I, I really approach someone like that, then I say, how do you how do you dispute the fossils that we are finding? And when you look at research, how do you dispute that that there wasn't another style of human being? Uh, 
of the other thing is that it doesn't really matter what we believe where we came from. It's just what's what we have now as human beings. They can show God in themselves, and we can show God. But doesn't really the dispute about where we came from, things like that. Is that relevant to who we are as, as, as members of Christ's family? Question. Most of us confronted this world about the same age as boomers, and so we're raised. I was raised uh, in, a, in a very conservative environment. Where you just never question this when you go, and, and you've brought in your life experiences and you go through the educational process, and you're faced with what are really scientific facts. Evolution is not a theory; it's, it's a proven scientific fact. And if you say that's, that's wrong, then you're just burying your head in the sand. You have a, have a faith with, with God, a faith with Christ. To me, it's a separation of the, the physical world and the spiritual world. And for, and for me, um, who accepts both, I accept science, like you were saying, Joe, and you accept the spiritual part. You, you have to separate those. And I think Ephesians, to me, speaks that I was created in God's image. Well, that's not a bald guy with big ears. That's, that's the spirit. It's a different thing. You know? Certain shelf life where the spirit lives on. That's what. That's what. And I think, yeah, and, and God brought Jesus down. And that's something I think that is being worked on hopefully every day. It is something that's that's created overall as I as I listen and, and study and, and around other Christian people. That's a chance for that spirit side to, to grow and get better. And it's a grounding thing. It makes me into God's plan, whereas if I just went to the science part, just the animal part, you know, the, the, the species, Homo sapiens, can be pretty brutal uh, without God's, God's creation. Is it easier to blend the objectivism of science and religion for baby boomers because we uh, grew up in the 50s when science was sort of becoming a bit of a religion? It has today become a religion, but it's, it's, it's become institutionalized as something seems that you know, to, I wish that more people would have an open mind and, and, uh, and I revolt against religious leaders who mandate you know, the, the kind of turn or burn or liberal approach and I think that's a little dangerous thing in society that things that go through cycles I would say now it's becoming more polarized and I don't think that's yeah, I, I've never understood the tension about evolution because uh, it, it seems so like it, it couldn't be that inconsistent with uh, the theory of creationism. And, of course, as kids, we probably observed natural selection occurring with fruit flies in real time. I mean, that was, that's the place most people see it. If they do experiments, you can, you can then... One, one way I looked at it in the early years was that it's maybe part of God's toolbox. You know, yeah. Genetic code and evolution may be a little bit of a, a picture as to how how some of this was done. It's presented in a storybook form in the Bible. Doesn't necessarily mean that some of that may be some of the science may be a revelation of how that happened. I'm not saying I'm smart enough to put all that together, but yeah, I, yeah. Well, I got over it. I accepted both. Uh, 
but it's so hard for some people to accept. That's right. It's, it's almost anathema to the. That's right. So. Take this uh, news article that came out. It was months ago now, almost a year ago, in, in Tennessee, I think, uh, a religious group built a model of the ark, right? They've got all the, there's a big tourist attraction, I guess it's up and going, someday I may go see it, but evidently there's a room in there for the dinosaurs, right? So, so I mean, maybe, there's a room. So yeah, it's just, it, it's just out there, and, and, and then they promote this as proof that, you know, God is real, and it, and, and it, it's how how that works in those people's minds is just a a shutout of, of facts, and, and I don't think that's really part of God's plan. So anyway, that's what the article in the paper said. So that's one extreme form of what we're talking about. And I think Ephesians. It's around that. It's a, good, a, a good verse, a good choice to, to discuss. I'm in a very straight-laced Bible study, and I, and I stay in it because I feel like I can give a more liberal sense to very uh, conservative, but they believe that the Bible is absolutely literal, that you know, they built the rib out of the, the whole bit. And then I, so I bring up just to challenge that, what do you think about these different facts? And I said, well, that's that God has built us all in our image. And so you try to, you know, I think that God wants us to speak out, and if you can respect and disagree at the same time. But when I look at all these women, they have a tremendous amount of faith. So as Liz was saying, it doesn't matter where we all came from as long as we use God's love for each other. So I think that's a good point that Liz made, is that in the bottom line of it, where are we in our Christianity? That's such a good topic. I mean, I, I struggle with the Old Testament that way. Why is that in the Bible? Why did they, whoever wrote this, say, took Adam's rib and made a woman? I mean, I, it, you know, that just is a real difficult thing for me. I guess it's a story. I don't know the purpose of that story. I don't know. And it's certainly, and who knows what, what the original words and how the translations that we're discussing it in now different languages, different social times, but it, it's a real obstacle for Christians of both men and women to accept. And, and you know, I don't want to diss anything that's biblical. I, I think there must be a purpose there, but I don't understand what it could be. Uh, and I struggle with that and many things. Mainly Old Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and how violent God was in the Old Testament. I mean, he was, he was vindictive. Yes. And, and that's why finally, I mean, I just got down to the Bible study, and as you go through that part of it, it says he brought Christ on the earth so that people could actually see this kind, loving person. And I think that way wasn't working. Maybe he thought Christ was the way and the physical being to bring him down. But it's really hard to, as you say, go through the Old Testament sometimes. It's like, Wow. Is there any literary license in the Bible? I don't know. I, mean, well, I, well, I think I, we're kind of saying, yeah, there is. Or I guess we, we are. Feel there is. Is, is there, I mean, because if you're a literalist, there isn't. That's right. Right. It's been translated so many times in so many languages from the point of view of, of people in power wanting to control yes. the narrative. 
Yes. So who knows right. really what the original goes that you said? So what percentage of that process went to establishing or reinforcing this, the, the order, the elite order of, of the groups? Yeah, the society, everything. Yeah. The look, dominant paradigm. The New Testament is written by, you know, the same story is written by different individuals and it changes a little bit. And then some of those were written 30 years. I don't think I could write what happened 30 years ago. And, and that's the New Testament. Yeah. That's right. The Old Testament is tougher. Are we discussing all three of these or just the first one? I, I think we're just kind of round robining. Okay. Well, then it brings up all of the history of, of yeah. different cultures and then how we, how the Bay of Vision themselves, right, so how God was made, made us, you know, this kind of, that we're kind of broadening it to the world instead mm -hmm. of just our evangelical people and more scientific base. I was just looking at the part, how would you describe your identity, who you are, and um, I've, all of my life, I've, um, without understanding what it was I was experiencing, I have identified much more with the uh, spiritual aspects than the physical aspects. It's all made a lot, didn't necessarily make more sense to me, but it resonated more with me. And the character, I was really taken with the characteristics that are part of your core identity and authentic self. To me, at, my, at this present age, looking back over 63 years of life and a lot of confusion and a lot of seeking, to me, the part of me that is my authentic self, that is, is the part that um, does more observing than reacting, does more listening than trying to prove my point, particularly just in my in my personal relationship with with God, that I see I've been seeing this a lot lately. Where circumstances happen, I react. Frequently, I react negatively. I may not say anything or show it, but it's what's going on in here. And then I kind of obsess about it for a while, and then I get stopped, and and God shows me an entirely different way to look at it and a different way to respond to it, and a different way to learn from it. And to me, that's who I really am. That's my authentic self. I'm not the one that's going, how dare you, or what? I'm the one, I'm, you know, the one that's reacting and taking everything very personally, and, but the one that's trying to look at a bigger picture. That's, that's, the, that's the part that I was really... I don't think you'll ever know what you're it's a growing concern. You learn and live and you change. You adapt. Religion gives you a filter to compare uh, things with and grow from. So it's an eternal search to find yourself in God. So, you know, it's the free will, that big blazing candle. You get to choose. You have all your experiences and you learn from it. And I'm nowhere near what I was 20 years ago. So I don't know if I could have been saved then or if I'm saved now, if I'm damned forever. I don't know. I keep searching. So I, hopefully I'm growing, but evolving. So you just decided at some point, at some, some point in your life it's, it's good to start questioning things again. Oh, yes. And you're talking about science and your literalism. 
I speak as an artist. You don't make your masterpiece first time. You do studies, you do sketches, you make models, you go towards perfection. So that's basically what the humans doing in themselves. And God's word searching for perfection if you ever reach it. That's not a bad goal. I'll end up that. <laughs> Well, I think we've, we've had some good discussion. Obviously, 20 minutes isn't really long enough to get into the meat and potatoes of things. Well, what do you think of those bumper stickers that says, say, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven? But I'm what? But I'm forgiven. <laughs> That's a religious bumper sticker. Yeah. Is that boasting? So what that translates to is I can do whatever I want to do because yeah. I'm not perfect and God's going to keep yeah. forgiving me. Which is a real distortion of the reality of the love of God, I think, and God's compassion. Again, you know, coming back to what, for who, who we are, to me, oh, the, the one that I feel is my authentic self, the, the direction that I always take, the, no, no, the direction I don't take it. The direction that I'm led in is the direction that ultimately brings me a sense of peace, as opposed to just conflict and aggravation and all of that. And it's not an easy thing. We're all, all of us are spirit in a very temporary body that is going to keep changing just like what Keith was saying, from the moment we're born until we leave. And to try to base our reality on this, for me, has really led me down some strange paths. And it, and it has to be, it has to be about who I, the eternal part of us, the part of us that is God inside of us, the part of us that, that was before we came into this and that is when we go on. Sounds a little bit like you have to, have to, be, have to be patient to let that part come out, rather than have all these obstacles of trying to solve and get to a point, be driven to get that answer, is to be patient, to let it rise up in you, to help you through. To seek it and listen, to seek it and look and pay attention. Not force the yeah. solution. Yeah, because every time I force anything, I just make a mess of it. <laughs> I've made lots of messes, ask George. <laughs> He's not nodding his head. <laughs> Sounds almost within the group we have a consensus that all of us, from a belief standpoint, are trying to make ourselves better, trying to understand. Mm -hmm. We have that, that's part of what we've internalized that we need to do, as opposed to that bumper sticker, which you like. Then they're just pretty happy where they're at. I'm forgiven. That's why I'm at. I don't need to chant. Whereas I think the spirit that God wants us is to keep growing. And I think that's why. It's hard to know what better is. And that bumper sticker to me translates to, and I'm right. And, and you're wrong. wrong. Correct. I'm not sure that's, I'm right. I don't know what better I, is a lot of times. And that's, I think that's what Joel was saying with the bumper sticker. I think he does wants a relationship with us that, that grows, makes us better, helps us as we face different exactly. issues. And 
you know, it's not going to save us, but because we love God, we're going to try to behave in a certain way towards. And we fall off the wagon, but we've got to get back on the wagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's more humanistic to fall off the wagon. Yeah. Because yeah, sure it's easier yeah. <laughs> than to get back on the wagon and, and accept. And it's also a way for God to show us that it doesn't matter. But that's that gives we can get back fall. on and he's still there. But that's you. what we always have to climb back into that lap or step, you know, get, into lap. That, like get, it, get into that boat it's and yeah, it gets buried across, you know. Yeah. This church and, the, and this, this, this is part of that and that supports us. So if I'm the guy that falls off the ladder, which has never happened, this, this group's with me. Yeah, that's right. To, to and I'll say, yep, pull me up and then, and then we could be there for others. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not only the small church, but as the bigger whole. It's the value of religion and the value of the church and the value of yeah. the It emphasizes the, the commonalities, not the differences. Yes. And it, I think it emphasizes encouragement as opposed to judgment. Yes. And that's what I love, because I'm my own worst judge. <laughs> well, I think we need to return to the group now. behaviors and, and 
got into it, more of a discussion of uh, where we come from originally and how that um, affects our lives and our behaviors, which um, from God and a wordless God that um, through Jesus Christ in our Christian traditions and how this spirit is is our root. Am I saying that right? Roger, do you have any clarification there? <laughs> I don't want to add things that, that we didn't really say, but lots of people had you know, great thoughts about uh, who we are and, and our authentic selves that, that makes a difference. In, and it came out that how we live and living within call it the spirit and not to be too churchified but then where are we <laughs> but that uh, living within the spirit in our own lives that the outcome if it's right with the spirit is right with the world although we don't have control over what occurs beyond us beyond our own behaviors I think I added something it wasn't from our discussion, but anyway. Well, that, uh, that was a you, great summary from your group, and I didn't ask my group if I summarized it okay, but I'm not going to go there. Um, so thank you, everyone.